Where did your last meal come from? Increasingly, the answer may be right outside your door. Even as the pandemic threatened to upend supply chains around the world, plans for food security and agricultural innovation in the UAE have been bearing fruit. You are listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from The National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Kelsey Warner, future editor. Joining me is Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Hi, Mustafa. Hi, Kelsey. How are you doing? Good. Good to have you here. And today we're talking about food security. And on the line, we have two founders of companies working to ramp up local food production here in the country. On the line, we've got Ramey Murray, the founder of Diba Bay Oysters, which is farming oysters in the Gulf of Oman from Fujera. Hi, Ramey. Hi there. Thanks for having me. And also joining us is Pure Harvest Smart Farms founder and chief executive, Sky Kurtz. Hi, Sky. Hi. Thanks for having me as well. Thank you both so much for being here. So actually, you've both made news this week because you've made announcements of some form of expansion. Uh, Ramey, you guys have actually put your oysters on Deliveroo this week. And Sky, uh, Pure Harvest, which is an agricultural tech startup, which you've been growing fruits and vegetables in the desert in Abu Dhabi for the last couple of years, but you've announced plans to open farms in Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. Ramey, can you just walk us through a little bit oyster farming in the UAE? What... (laughs) Very unexpected. Um, what are expansion plans looking like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we start. We started uh, four years ago, and we're across on the east coast in Fujairah. Um, and we're yeah, we're farm. We're farming oysters, and um, due to the the climatic conditions over here and the the nutrients in the ocean, we've got a um, a wonderful, wonderful product which which we can grow naturally in the ocean because they're they're filter feeders, so they take all their all their food out of the ocean there. Um, we've been steadily growing over the last four years. Uh, we started off with hotels and, and dealing with a sort of B2B horica uh, sales. Um, but actually during the, the pandemic, uh, we, we really pivoted to retail. And the, the culmination of that was the news this week, which you refer to, where we've actually opened a farm shop in Dubai uh, where we're, we can supply customers directly. So it's uh, really exciting for us and quite unexpected, actually, because we were, we were sort of geared up as a B2B business. Um, but now we're, we're very much expanded into direct retail. Was that pivot a direct result of the pandemic and sort of shifting consumer demand or was something else at play? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we, we always had a, a plan in the back. In the, at sort of at some point to get around to opening some shops and dealing directly with 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 customers, um, but I mean just to give you an idea, but when we went into this pandemic, we were something like ninety five percent horeca business, which is the hotels and food services, and five percent retail. We had a little bit of um, some supermarkets. Uh, we were we were in Spinney's, for example, um, but the the when people couldn't go out to restaurants anymore, they started taking a lot more interest in what could they order to have at home and enjoy at home. Um, and then especially the people were interested in what was locally produced that they could order and enjoy at home. So uh, we, we had a massive uptick of inquiries. And so our, our retail sales uh, really, really drastically increased. And then we also got going with a lot of online platforms. Um, and then this culminated in us opening our own shop so that we could access these delivery options like Deliveroo. Um, and so, yeah, about, about, we're now at about fifty um, fifty between uh, retail and horeca. So it's been quite a quite a big change to our business model. And Sky, you announced Tuesday today that 
you will be expanding into Kuwait to supply directly to one of the largest grocery store chains in that country. So expansion for you guys has continued to pace during the pandemic. What are, what are you seeing during this time and how has your business changed as a result of what's going on? Yeah, certainly we had some big news today, but I would say in response to the pandemic, I think it's been a huge you know, wake-up call for the region's governments and retailers and, and really, as you know, has changed a lot about consumer behavior. But I, there's always been a focus on food security in the region and particularly in the UAE, but I think that this really just accelerated that focus. And we've seen you know, at the highest levels a lot of interest, um, both from uh, governments, but also from investors and now increasingly from actual uh, retailers and Horeca participants. And on uh, the government level, I mean, for instance, I was involved in and leading the fruit and vegetable vertical of a national committee that was formed uh, by the cabinet to investigate uh, policies that would support the adoption of technologies to support food security. And that's the uh, you know direct intervention and involvement of private industry and many parties. There was the FAO and governments and all to support developing initiatives that would support local production. So it shows a real a real voice from the top supporting this initiative that that helps myself and Ramey, our industry. But then um, as talking about the announcement today, uh, we started discussions early in the year with uh, Kuwait's largest private retailer, uh, the Sultan Center, about the idea of a, of a new model of retail and of, of uh, producer, uh, you know, uh, retailer integration. And what we've announced is a very large north of 30 million euro project that will be built in multiple phases whereby we're going to be supplying you know, year-round, locally grown, sustainably grown fresh produce directly to uh, the retailer, which is the Sultan Center, uh, and will be integrated with them where they're sharing their data, their consumer insights. We, they even inform our seasonal planting. So to the extent there's something that consumers want in a specific season, we can plan and accommodate for that. And it's in a full commercial offtake engagement. So it's a multi-year commitment to buy essentially everything we produce but of course, exclusive to them. We built this farm for them and we'll be serving them. And then any excess products will be sold in the Horka markets, seeding that interest in Kuwait. But it's a very large scale project. It'll be, you know, uh, TSC is the largest retailer and this will be a meaningful piece of their entire produce buy. And it's sort of what we've been gearing toward for many years. We've been hoping that retailers would embrace this new model of integrating with their uh, producers and of course, enabling us with that commitment to source cheaper capital, which enables us to build larger scale facilities. And it's kind of a virtuous cycle of scale-driven microeconomics, right? That benefits ultimately localizing supply, quality, variety, um, you know, really exciting products to be available on the shelves here. And that, that also has a bigger mission, right? Uh, food security, water conservation, you know, economic diversification in a region that badly needs it, and particularly also Kuwait. There's been a lot of news about that recently. And sustainability. So it's a really exciting project, and we hope the first of many like it. And final thing you mentioned about expansions, yes, where early in the year we announced a pretty significant capital raise, including from Wafra International Investment Company, which is a semi-sovereign investment fund of Kuwait. So this is exciting that the Sultan Center, partnered with Wafra and us, are bringing this new model of technology-enabled you know, domestic production of extremely high quality and affordable cost to the Kuwaiti market. And, and this is the first-of-its-kind project for the region. Um, congratulations to both you, uh, Sky and Ramy, on on your progress um, in in what's become, as as we've been saying for the last few minutes, a really important field, um, particularly given the disruption to supply chains from 
various restrictions to borders and just the ability to produce food in different parts of the world because of COVID-19 restrictions. But as as you mentioned, Sky, um, food security is not a new topic. If we go all the way back to the 1980s, Abu Dhabi, Saudi Arabia, they're experimenting with what could be grown here in this arid region in, in the Gulf. Of course, back then, the big problem was you know, how much water would you would you have to use? But equally, I think, you know, well, technology, as you quite rightly say, has kind of helped with that. But if you think about oysters or you're thinking about vegetables, um, the, the the fact is, is that you've got long established both business and and retail uh, demand that is used to importing uh, products. Um, so this feels like, yep, trends are changing consumers understand what's required but it's going to be a slow a slow thing to go from what we're used to now which is getting our oranges and our tomatoes from holland via holland let's say from anywhere else in the world to now being used to sort of the farm to table dream that we're all looking for really well if i could comment on that i mean i think it's happening faster than even we thought it would happen right when I moved here and when I started Pure Harvest in 2017, right, I, I, I'd moved here in 2016, the, everything was origin-based demand and origin-based pricing. It's the only place I ever stood in a, the middle of a produce aisle and said, Mexico avocado and priced appropriately, right? People understood what Mexico versus South Africa was, whatever was in terms of quality, right? And that it was literally origin-based pricing. That is changing dramatically. If you go to the produce shelf now, well, still origins matter. You'll still see, say, Turkish tomato or uh, local tomato. But brands and packaging concepts are changing. And also specifically on local, and credit to us, but also credit to others like Remy and local production is on the map. And people understand and believe that it's good quality. Admittedly, there used to be sort of a bias. If it's from the UAE or from the region, it's it's definitely lower quality and deserves a lower price and and. Um, possibly isn't even safe because there's some history there. Um, that is changing significantly. And I think obviously we're doing what we can to get our message out there and other producers entering controlled environment agar. But also there's kind of at the, the national level, there's a lot of support to this. I mean, there's going to be programs emerging that that um, certify farms, right? That will, will certify them as sustainable, but also the quality of production. And these types of movements, I think, will help to accelerate this movement. And then, of course, there's the benefit of social media. Right. We've been all over it. I, Ramey, I think, is active there. We we are trying to get our message out there. We have an entire series of videos of how we farm, educating people on how we don't use pesticides, how it's a controlled environment, like a Mediterranean climate year round, and ultimately how the quality of the produce is better than the European product because we can harvest it later, give it perfect nutrients and all, pick it, pack it, ship it same day or next day, and you get all of the benefits of farm to table you do anywhere in the world. So I think that message is really sticking and we're seeing it in consumer behavior. I mean, we are sold out multiple times over. It's why we're building significant capacity. And admittedly, if we just had an unlimited access to capital, we'd be building even more. It's a, it's a, there's a tremendous amount of demand for this. Yeah. And I, I would absolutely echo what, what Sky is saying there. Um, and it's about, especially as how quickly this has happened, because um, I would say when I, we started Tibet Bay Oysters four years ago, um, there was very, very few products on the market um, in any space uh, that was generally considered of uh, any quality whatsoever. So um, there was some local products, but perhaps the quality actually genuinely wasn't there. So I think what, what companies like Skies have done is it's actually 
provided a high quality local product. And that, that's what's changed as well. We were very lucky with our oysters in that um, nobody had tried farming oysters here before. We tried it and found the waters were actually so nutrient rich, it, it, it lent itself to it. And so we're actually producing a world class oyster. So once you get over the hump, which I would say we're, we've dramatically gotten over um, and we're sort of fast becoming the default option here rather over the foreign imports. Um, but that, that was a struggle over a few years. But, but as Sky says, it's happened very quickly. Um, and so it's, uh, it's real credit to several companies out there in different sectors that have been able to bring the quality because the consumers are now looking for it. Well, yes, if I could throw in one more thing about a bit broader than just COVID-19 and the pandemic-induced uh, demand you know, implications, there is a global focus and shift on not just water uh, conservation, right, which um, you mentioned is for the region, but it's relevant everywhere because food is water, right? Roughly 70% of the world's fresh water is used in food production. But climate change, right? Climate change is impacting climates that are traditionally food producers and impacting their rain and weather patterns, leading to droughts, leading to higher temperatures that affect yields. And it's affecting slowly but very surely uh, global trade patterns of food supply. And when you're an import-driven country or region like, like the Middle East with 80 to 90% import dependence, that is a, a very dangerous phenomenon. And we, this region, already lives in what the future world will look like if climate change continues on its path. And we came here and developed solutions that can grow in this environment, right? And now, if anything, our solutions can be transferred around the world, not the other way around, because this is one of the harshest places in the world to, to conquer and grow food resource efficiently. So I, I believe that actually climate change is a big motivator here. When you talked about water, there's sort of a trade-off. Do you want to burn jet fuel and fly food here, which is essentially transporting water here? Or do you want to utilize a small amount of water and be able to produce your own food and eliminate that plane, right? And, and in the meantime, consume CO2 inside the greenhouse. So we are increasingly educating consumers that buying local is also the sustainable choice, right? In addition to the incredible quality and job creation and all the other benefits, but it's actually better for the world. And that was not true before the technologies made that possible. There's just the convergence of many trends making this possible and why now is the right time for local production to take off in the region. So Sky, to your point of it being an incredibly challenging environment to farm, once you've actually successfully grown something, there then quickly becomes a question of how to keep it fresh, and especially with fruits and vegetables and oysters. Can you guys answer for me, how are you handling this idea of keeping things fresh in a still sustainable way once the product is headed for consumers? Yeah, well, I mean, for, for oysters, um, with any kind of seafood, you want it as fresh as possible, especially oysters, because you're eating them, you're eating them raw, um, really. So it's um, the big benefit that we have here is that we're across on the East Coast, but with the infrastructure that is in place in the UAE, there's these big highways in, in place. There's um, a great infrastructure. So we, we can service, the, for example, the Dubai market, which is the, the main hotel market. We, we're 90 minutes away. So we, we, can harvest, we can harvest in the morning and have, and we harvest three times a week. And we're making deliveries three times a week and it's 90 minutes. And we have obviously norm, uh, refrigerated trucks um, and we can get it directly from the farm to, these, to, our, to our end customers so quickly. Uh, that uh, it, you can't beat that with, with imports. I echo the same sentiment. We harvest five times a week. We are within one hour 
of 90% of the humans in the UAE. And it's a great infrastructure. So we pick it, pack it, cool it, ship it same day or next day directly from our farms to their either distribution center or directly to their storefront or hotel. And what's interesting is we're much fresher and much more sustainable than the alternative, which let's say Holland, it's 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 harvested, shipped to a co-op that then packs it collectively, ships it to an airport, then it's packed, re-transported into the airport, flies here in a cold store. It's opened up on the tarmac, put back on a truck, put to the distribution center, put back on a truck to the store right? It is a massive multi-step distribution channel that's both wasteful and unenvironmentally friendly, right? And we're able to serve the entire country harvesting five times a week, and we'll move to seven in the new farms because of greater volumes. Um, they are harvesting every single day, right? So the freshness is just unbeatable, and the sustainability of the food miles is a, is a step change, right? It, we're, it's not 2,600 kilometers, it's 40 Right. So it's a, it's a wholly different model. We, we are local for local production in any environment anywhere in the world. And, and I think that that's the future, right? Is you're having to trade off the economics of flying around water versus, you know, the input costs of a given market in production. And one of the great benefits in the Middle East is we have a heck of a lot of light and we can harness that light energy into food and into power. We're integrating with solar projects in Saudi and now a trial in the UAE. So it's an interesting thing that we see ourselves as an energy company. We, we actually convert, you know, sun energy into food calories as cheaply and resource efficiently as possible to provide, you know, incredibly tasty and vari- uh, new variety products to the market. And on variety, that's one exciting thing people aren't talking about. We're not just displacing imports. We're making possible products that have never been seen before. We have a, if you haven't seen it in the stores now, we have a purple tomato called a yum that's like literally like a tomato and a plum had a baby. And we have a, new, a Fujumaru, a Japanese pink beefsteak tomato that's quite aromatic. We're offering new products that have never been here because it wasn't possible to grow them. And there wasn't such a large market to fly them or they don't transport well. Well, we don't have that challenge being local. We are able to produce anything. When we talk about how quickly things have changed here and what the norm is, uh, when Sky was just sort of talking through that whole laborious process, um, of uh, the vegetables being harvested in Holland and being collected in the co-op and then shift, shifted through multiple multiple different stages to get here. When you say that out loud and then you realize that there's superior if, if um, products available locally, it just becomes absurd. Um, whereas three or four years ago, it was, I would say, 99% of the chefs in town would find it absurd not to import the products because they didn't feel they could get get anything of quality here. So it, it's really amazing how it turns around there because it just does not make sense to, to import a product when it can be grown locally in an efficient way and delivered so quickly. Sky Kurtz of Pure Harvest and Ramey Murray of Dibba Bay Oysters, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Mustafa Rawi, thank you for being here. Thank you, Kelsey. Speak to you next time. Before we finish, here are the other stories you need to know about on the national.ae. The leaders of Saudi Arabia and Russia reaffirmed their commitment to work together to rebalance oil markets as members of OPEC Plus are set to meet later this month. Bahrain-based InvestCorp and China Resources Capital Management acquired a majority stake in Hong Kong food retailer City Supergroup for an undisclosed sum. And Russia's cybersecurity company Kaspersky downgraded its overall growth outlook for 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but predicts an uptick in sales for its B2B and Internet of Things software 
as enterprises spend more on safeguarding their systems. That's it for today. If you like this show, please do subscribe or leave a review. All that remains is to thank Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.